Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Thursday, April 29th, 2021. This is episode 2868 of the Survival Podcast, and I have a really good one for you today. Some of you guys are going to be really stoked when you hear who's going to be on the air today if you didn't look at the title of the podcast in your feed or whatever and already see it. No less than Gerald Salente will be joining us in just a bit. We're going to talk about his top 10 trends for 2021 uh, out of the Trends Journal, and we're going to talk about a lot of other things, including how he's uh, motivating others to fight back against what he's calling the COVID war. And I, I completely agree with that terminology, the invisible enemy and such. Uh, Salente's an amazing man. His... And you'll hear me tell him this when we get on. His, his association with the show, without his knowledge, goes back to 20, 2009. When a listener used some of his footage along with some of my footage and put them together and made a promotional video for us, I went back to where I talked about that on the air in 2009 recently and found that episode. And I tried to look up the video, and I highly doubt the person that made it still around, because that's a long time ago. But uh, that video is now marked private, and you can't view it anymore. So I don't know if the person did it, if Google shut it off or whatever, but uh, I was unable to find it. I thought it would have been cool to include in the show notes today, but it just it just isn't there anymore. Um, it, it ended with uh, with a call to go to our site, and uh, the music from uh, the final countdown uh, was 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 played at the end. It was pretty cool, and it was. I mean, the show wasn't even a year old yet when that happened, and that that says something about. Uh, Salente and his impact on on anybody concerned about the future, and uh, just just a really awesome dude. He's I, 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 when I got done with this interview, I went out uh, to have lunch before I, I took care of doing the intro, the outro, the editing, and getting it out to you guys. And my wife said, "Well, how was it?" And I told her, I said it was rantastic. She said, "What?" I said, "It was rantastic." You're gonna hear. An old man rant today in a positive way and in an accurate way. It's it, it's pretty refreshing, honestly. Uh, I think Gerald's probably reached a point in his life where he just doesn't give a shit who he pisses off. And uh, that's when you get the truth from people. And this man's been working in forecasting trends since 1980. And he's got a hell of a track record. He's not 100% right. He's gotten some wrong, and we all have, that, that, that partake in this business. And we'll cover that in a little bit when we do our quote of the day. Before we do that, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor today, number one, it is the Wealth Steading Podcast with no less than John Pugliano. If you want solid advice on investing for your future, check out the Wealth Steading Podcast. John is a, a financial manager, and he does a great job at that. And I have a lot of respect for him, and I'm going to tell you why. Most people that go into financial advisory, financial management, et cetera, like that for other people, what they do is they go to one of these like boot camps that somebody like American Express or Edward Jones does, and uh, then they just start going out and basically selling investment services. That's what they do. And so they do that, and they, they have no money of their own. They're usually dead broke. They usually start young. And they're paid commissions and fees based on the business they bring in. And their their training is really not investment training. They don't really tend to make many decisions about investments. Their training is in relationship sales. That's what they're trained in. Uh, they get to require licenses and what have you. But basically, they're, they're salespeople. 
and they take a customer profile, they send that off to a mothership type thing that comes back with a, a investment allocation, and then 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 the person's put into that, and, and so they're really nothing more than a relationship manager. John John went out and made himself self made millionaire before he started telling other people what to do with their money through investing. That is not the normal track, and I learned a, about him and what he was doing all the way back in 2010 when I first met him at Salt Lake City, and he's still working with us today. That tells you that, yes, I endorse the Wealth Setting Podcast and John Pugliano. Next up today, Jeff the Berkey Guy Gleason. Look, water is pretty simple to understand. You either have it or you die. I can't make it more clear than that. Um, the reason I think you need to be using a Berkey, I should say the reasons I think you need to use a Berkey in your life, is number one, it looks really great. And it's incredibly cost-effective. So the first two, it looks good, and, and, and it's very cost-effective. The price per gallon is stupid cheap. It only It's buy once, cry once type thing with a Berkey. The next thing, though, is so many people are like, hey, you know, there's a boiled water advisor. I better go out and get some bottled water or something or start relying on my bottled water or whatever at that point. Do you realize when you get that little news announcement or post it in your next door chat or whatever that – When they say that, you've already been drinking contaminated water, and then they just figured it out that they did it. Sometimes they get pretty good at being preemptive with it, where like something happens and they know right away. But a lot of times people turn up sick, they finally work it down to the water supply, then they tell you to boil your water after you've been drinking it, and you don't know you've been drinking contaminated water. Plus there's all kinds of crap in grid water anyway. If you're drinking water from the grid especially, I think wells too, because you don't know if your well's infected until you find out, it should be going through a water filter, and a Berkey's a great way to go. But why get your Berkey from some random dude when you can deal with the original Berkey guy? Jeff Gleason has been working with us since 2009. Jeff has been working with this show. Check him out. You can find his website because he doesn't know anything. He knows a lot about customer service. He, he knows a lot about water. He knows a lot about prepping, but he's, he's not a very good switched-on marketing guy. So the Berkey guy is at a website called directive21.com. So anyway, with that, let's go ahead and uh, start out before I bring Gerald Salente on with a quote of the day. And I thought with Salente coming on, we got to talk about the future since he is the uh, force behind Trends, Trends Journal at TrendsResearch.com, and that's all about looking at the present and understanding the future. We're going to take a little different take with our quote of the day. John Galsworthy once wrote, If you do not think about your future, you cannot have one. Now, a lot of people would think, well, that's stupid. You cannot think about your future, and just by being here, you're going to have one because something's going to happen. You're not going to not be here tomorrow because you didn't think about tomorrow. Well, you might because you do stupid things. You might get yourself killed. But that's not what he's talking about. A future worth having is what he was talking about when he wrote this. And it's, it's back to the thing that I've taught so often. If we don't think about the future and plan for it, then we're like the captain of the ship who puts out of port with no plan to get where he's going. Maybe he doesn't even know where he's going. And we have these giant ships that traverse massive oceans, and they arrive within, you know, sometimes minutes to hours of their planned arrival because the captain plots the course for the ship. In other words, he thinks about his future and the future of his crew. If you want a future in your life, you need to think about that future and you need to plan for it. You need to take things like we're going to talk about with, with Gerald here in just a second 
like that's going to happen outside of your control. And you also need to think about the things that are inside of your control. And you need to design your life for the future you want, or you will not have the future you want. You'll have the future you get. Now let's talk to somebody who knows a little bit about thinking that way. Again, Gerald Salente. Gerald is the publisher of the Trends Journal. You can find it at trendsresearch.com. Gerald developed the Globonomic methodology to identify, track, forecast, and manage trends. He is unencumbered by political dogma, uh, rigid ideology, or even conventional wisdom, calling himself a political atheist. He's in good company here. You guys know that. And with that, I want to say, hey, Gerald, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Uh, it's a time for survival, so thanks for having me on. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you know real quick. Um, you probably don't know anything about this, but you go back with this audience a long, long time. I started the show in 08, and in 09, a listener made kind of a promotional video like on their own for our show, and it incorporated uh, some of your forecasts back then, all the way back in 09. And uh, that was the first time I ever heard of you. We've done entire shows where we've gone over some of your predictions and things like that. So without knowing it, you've been associated with our community for uh, over 12 years now. And uh, it's cool to have you on now. Can you tell people that maybe we get new listeners every day just a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you got into doing what you do? Well, the way I got into it is um, at a graduate school, I... um, I started working on political campaigns in Westchester County, in, uh, which was the richest county in America. And I worked on a mayoral campaign. like I was just like a number two guy. And it, it was, you know, it, it, the, the long story of how I got to do that, that's a whole other thing. You know, I really didn't want to do much of anything after graduate school. But you know, my mother had passed away. I was living down in the city. and had two young sisters living up in Yonkers, which is just north of it. And I had to go back, you know, to, to help out. And um, actually, I was a bartender back then. And we were having a great time. And so, you know, I figured I got to, you know, I got to get some work. So I, I started getting involved in these campaigns. And, um, you know, the way I grew up, you know, I, I, you know, I, I was born in the Bronx. And you know, I had a great, great parents. And, you know, they taught you to be yourself. And um, I start working in this campaign, and I'm like, Christ, this thing is easy. These people, this is a joke. And I hit the top right away. I started working on political campaigns in Westchester County. This was the mayoral campaign. His name was Angelo Martinelli. He ended up becoming the longest mayor in Yonkers. And um, then they sent me up to Albany. And I was the assistant to the secretary of the New York State Senate at 26 years old. And it was the worst job I ever had in my life. And I've been working on, you know, pumping gas. I did a lot of stuff. Uh, soda jerk. That was a great job. Nobody <laughs> heard of a soda jerk. That's when they used to have soda fountains and all the kids from school afterwards after they'd all come to the, to, to where you were working. And anyway, um, to watch grown men grovel, Ugh. it was disgusting to me. So I quit after one year. Nobody could believe I quit. But I also designed and instructed American politics and campaign technology and taught it at St. John's University. And then from there, I went on to become number two guy running a major trade association and a government affairs specialist living between Chicago and D.C. You know, at 28 years old, I was staying at the Willard Hotel and putting my meetings on at the Hay Adams. And um, 
killing environmental legislation at the height of the environmental movement. So I got to be on the other side. I've been with presidents, prime ministers, princes. And I became a political atheist around uh, the, the late 70s when Jimmy Carter came back from um, Iran and spending New Year's Eve with the, he and his wife, with the Shah and his wife, and coming back and telling the Americans that the Shah was the island of stability in the Middle East. <laughs> And the Bronx used to have a saying, bullshit has its own sound. <laughs> and as all the Americans are hating the Iranians without knowing the CIA and the MI6 in the UK overthrew the democratically elected government of Mosaddegh in 1953 because he had the nerve to nationalize the Iranian oil and say, no, it doesn't belong to Standard Oil, better known today as ExxonMobil, and Anglo-Iranian oil, better known as BP today. So they had a violent overthrow. They killed so many people. The uh, Savak, the secret police, they were made the SS look good. And so I knew that when millions of people were taking to the streets in Iran, this thing's going down, man. Mm. And so while everybody's getting caught up in the political theater of it, let's hate the Iranians, I said to myself, What's going to be the implications of this? And I realized gold and silver prices would go up. And I started playing the futures market. I put a $5,000 bet. I turned into almost three quarters of a million dollars back then in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And I ended up losing most of it. I ended up with about 120000 But anyway, I realized that current events form future trends. And it's not what you like, what you want, what you wish for. It's what is. And I, and I made a process, I call it the global nomic system of trend forecasting, and that's making connections between different fields. So as we're speaking now, who knows what's going on in Chad or Myanmar, Thailand, Lebanon, South Africa, Chile. People have no idea, uh, Ethiopia, the Tigres. Oh, what does that mean to me? It doesn't mean, it. yes, it does. But people have only look at their own, what they're doing, an opportunity misses those who view the world through the eyes of their profession. So I, I quit in 1980 and that, I started, the, I moved back to New York and I started the Trends Research Institute. It was actually called the Socioeconomic Research Institute of America back then because when I said anything about trends, the reaction from people would be, oh, you mean music trends? Oh, you nah. mean fashion trends? Sure. And that's as far as the mind would go. And that's as far as the mind goes now. I'm the only one, you know, my book, Trend Tracking, Far Better Than Megatrends, Time Magazine, Trends 2000, international bestseller. The, they don't teach trend forecasting at Harvard, Princeton, Yale, uh, Oxford, Cambridge. They don't teach it anywhere. You know why? Because they don't know how to do it. I'm going to teach history. Oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make up the bullshit of what happened, <laughs> you know, 3,000 years ago. I don't know crap about it, but I'll make it up and you'll learn all about it. Read this book. They don't know how to look ahead. And they, so and everything today is so politicized that when you're looking at the current events, you're getting a slanted issue from it. So I only look at the facts and I study all day long. I mean, I study four or five hours a day going through newspapers, on, online websites, you know, uh, throughout the world. And I just want to put what they're putting out. Then I then I look at the facts behind what they say. And, you know, the magazine we're putting out is what? You know, last week, 125 pages, no ads. Hmm. 
And and again, only facts. And then this is what it means. This is what's next. And this is how to plan for what's going ahead. So that briefly is how it how it began. And on your uh, guest app, we have ten trends, um, top trends from your journal for forecasting for 2021. So let's kind of go through these and talk about why you're seeing this and what relevance it has to our audience. Uh, number one that I have here is what you're calling the greatest depression. Oh, yeah. I mean, the world is destroyed. This is unprecedented in world history. And, you know, but people aren't going to realize it until the equity markets crash. You know, I'm just reading now, okay, yeah. the money the venture capital funds are making. And, you know, it's in today's Wall Street Journal. Uh, you know, I, there was no such thing when I was a young guy, a venture, <laughs> venture capital. How about you a bunch of small group of a club of gamblers getting all this dough and making all of it? Look at the merger and acquisition activity going on. Hey, listen, you're not a, you're a non-essential business. You're a piece of crap. You're, you're not Walmart. You're not Costco. You're not Target. You're, you're just nothing. So shut down and shut up. So the bigs are getting bigger and hundreds of millions of lives and livelihoods are being destroyed. Again, taking a global nomic perspective. What's going on in Chad? What's going on in Africa? What's going on in South America? What's going on in the emerging markets? They're submerging into nothing. Hmm. So it, it, the, uh, the billionaires got $8 trillion richer by waging the COVID war. You're out of business. You're non-essential. So the greatest depression is going to be hitting billions of people. But it's artificially propped up by making the equity markets look strong and everything is okay. So the greatest depression's already begun. Is not, there's going to be a bounce back. Of course there is. It's the Biden bounce and every, look, they're still locked down in Germany. They're not going to open up until the end of June. And I got this crap head over here at the Blasio and Cuomo in New York. Oh, we're going to open up everything on July 1st. Hey, hey, hey crap head. How about, how about July 3rd? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. How about, how about June 29th? You're making this shit up. You know why? They're shitheads, and shitheads are running the world. Yeah, I, I've been referring to it as COVID is killing the dying, and I don't mean people. So I think part of what has happened here is, yes, this is the largest, like some, like, it's like taking a forty-four Magnum and shooting yourself in the foot twice with it is what we've done to ourselves, or what I should say they've done to us. But there were things that were already in movement that I think now are accelerated that are going to lead to what looks like a boom and then incredible bust like real estate like people real estate's hot right now because everybody's freaking leaving the worst lockdown places and moving into areas with limited inventory but that's got to end sooner or later and then you have commercial real estate going completely to shit in these big cities like LA like New York etc and then you have kind of these booms in these rural towns that eventually go away all the properties now been pushed up overvalued all the people are now paying a tax bill based on that in homes that they've owned for 30 years like that alone is a is a complete disaster that right now it looks good but it's i i don't think it's going to look good you know next year the year after etc in the hot areas it's not going to go down big Okay. And it may even stay okay. But the, this is unprecedented. Like you just mentioned, people leaving the cities? This never happened like this before. And then you look, for example, New York City, the office occupancy rate is at the grand total of 14%. Holy crap. 
And then you now, again, what's very important, again, to take a global nomic perspective. Here we are in 2021. Go back to 1921. Mm. Compare 1921 to 1880. There's no comparison. Mm. Compare 2021 to 1980. There's no comparison. This whole COVID war brought in, accelerated the high-tech world, as we see by the prophets. And by the way, they're the ones that started the war. They were the first to shut down. So now, big companies don't want to, if I don't have to send somebody to, you know, to Switzerland to meet somebody and could do it on a Zoom, you know, Zoom it up, man. And oh, I hate commuting on the LIE an hour and a half each way. Now I'm working at home. I'm not only going to go into the city maybe two to three times a week. So the whole game has changed. Going back to commercial real estate. Again, New York City. In 2019. Not before the, before this started. Before the war, COVID war started. You go, you go to the West Village. You go up to Fifth Avenue, Madison Avenue, Park Avenue, East Side, West Side, all around the town. For rent, 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 for rent. Before this happened. So now, you're going to have an occupancy rate, an office occupancy rate. Let's say it hits 60%, 70%. You're 30% off. Mm. All the businesses that depended upon tourism, business meetings, trade shows, commuters, boop, zap. So the big cities are going to go down hard. The commercial real estate. And then, and then again, I mentioned about the venture capitalists, the bigs. The bigs own a lot of this stuff. And they're in debt big time. So you're going to see some really hard hit stuff. Do you think that the states that have been more sane in how they've handled this are beneficiaries of this? States like where I'm at in Texas, states like Florida, states like South Dakota, where we, all this, like when I hear Biden talking about like, you know, if you do this and if you do that and if you do this, then maybe you can have people in your backyard for 4th of July. I'm like, what the hell are you, like, is this guy smoking crack? Has he just got Alzheimer's? What? Because I had like a party in November with 80 people here. Like we just, we didn't participate in this stupidity and it has, you know, we did in the, like the first 30 days and then it really kind of got less and less and less. So most of our small businesses, our small restaurants and all, they didn't go under like they did in these blue states where they've turned them into basically prisons. Look, I held a rally here in Kingston, New York on July 4th. Okay. And I had Judge Napolitano here from Fox. <laughs> And I, this was the biggest rally in, in the country at the time. I was, I broke the total. They did what they told me not to do. And I said, little Andy Cuomo, come over here and try to stop me. Come <laughs> me a man to man. Don't send your goons. Yeah. And I had it. The Kingston police are great, by the way. They don't, you know, they're all local people. You know, they're not like the state troopers, you know, and they, they didn't bother me at all. And so anyway, I, and I, we all died from the rally, by the way. You're all dead. You're not really here. You're dead now. No. This is your ghost. (laughs) And I'm having another one. I'm having another rally on May 29th. And you go to OccupyPeace.com, OccupyPeace.com. And the rally is to unite for freedom, peace, and justice. 
because they've stole it from us. This is an unprecedented, unpre- you know, I listening to a little bit of uh, Biden's speech yesterday, not that, only because it popped up on yeah. the site I was looking for. And he, he goes on to say, you we're America, we're strong and we're going. And he's saying he's, we're strong. And here's Pelosi and Harris behind him with masks on. Yeah. You can't make this comic up. No. We're strong. You're little weakling freaks of nothing. But anyway, we have to fight for our freedom. And if we don't, it's going to be hell on earth. I'm, I've been trend forecasting trends since 1980. And I have books, magazines, you know. Mm-hmm. I've been at this a long time. And if anybody has a track record better than me, let's, and I'm not saying this in a bragging way. I'm saying it to make the point. If you have a track record better than mine, let's start talking. You show me what you've written and, and, have, and have, you know, published. Because I see the future. And it's hell on earth. And, and if we don't stop this from happening, you know, this isn't going to be the America I want to live in. I agree completely. I guess, like, my real point of that question was, do you think that the states who have been more sane benefit in this? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, absolutely. I I wish we had more people like DeSantis. I hate, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a political atheist. I want nothing to do with politics, but those people do have a lot of power. And, I mean, DeSantis has been the most level headed person in this so far. And, Here's my trend. I think he's unless Trump jumps back in, I think he's your Republican nominee in 2024. Oh, I agree. Okay, cool. Yeah, we said the same thing. Now we're on the same page as that. But I got his foreign policy to me is shit. Sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> sure it is. I, you know, but I still think he's our he's our nominee. What your next trend is? You think there will actually be any vax? Any tax political oh. parties? Do you oh, think? Yeah. Do you think that's going to be something like? You know, the Tea Party where it ends up being co-opted by the Republicans. Is it going to be a standalone party? What is that actually going to look like? It's going to be like the Tea Party before it was co-opted. Can okay. this be co-opted? No. Okay. You know why it can't be? Because anti-vax cannot be co-opted. Anti-tax can't be co-opted. Anti-immigration can't be co-opted. Anti-establishment can be co-opted. But that's three out of four. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I remember when the Tea Party started, and it was all about tax. And yeah, and but this is different. This is different now because the the tax rates are going to go up on on the people in many different ways as the as the standard of living keeps declining. I agree with you. Look, they're always going to try to co-opt mm-hmm. it, you know. But it's up to the people not to let that happen. And every movement that starts off strong ends up dying in later years. You know, that's been the history of them. But now this is unprecedented what's happened in 2020. The entire world has changed. We've never seen this before. I I, I hope you're right. I hope that holds together. Um, your next trend, and this is good, good for my business, survivalism. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, one of the articles we have in the Trends Journals from Bradley Steiner, may rest in peace, he just passed away. This guy's the top, he was the top close combat guy in America. He was my teacher's teacher, uh, John Perkins, not the John Perkins, the other guy, John Perkins from attackproof.com. So people better learn how to, you know, fight and, and, and for survival in so many different ways. 
you know, it's not only fighting for your life if somebody tries to attack you, but it's, you know, as I came up with many years ago, GC's three G's, guns, gold, and a getaway plan. And that's another one. But of course, to have everything you have and where you are to, to make sure that, um, that, that you financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you're, you're, you're you have everything going for you that when it comes down, you know, you're not going to go down with it. You know what? Quick story. 9-11 happened. I used to date a wonderful woman, Marie-Pierre Astier, French woman, back in Paris. I just heard from her today. And um, I was living in Rhinebeck, New York at the time, and she lived a little further away from me. And I'm having a cup of coffee, and it's about you know, 9 o'clock or so in the morning. I'm listening to CNBC. And the guy goes, well, you know, we're going to take it. We, we have a break now. Um, it seems like a plane crashed into the World Trade Center. You know, let's not get let's not all get overblown with this thing. You know. Back then, I used to do hot air ballooning and I've been flying, you know, in private planes, you know, so I knew height and speed. And, you know, I've been around, you know, a long time and it was a beautiful sunny day and planes don't crash into the World Trade Center by mistake, you know, on a sunny mm-hmm. day. So that's the first thought that goes through my mind. And then they flip down to the, go down to, to the, to this person down the World Trade Center. And then the thing starts, you know, holy Christ. First thing I did, I picked up the phone. Marie Pierre, go to the bank, get your money out of the bank. Gerald, I said, listen, do what I, t- I just told her what happened. Well, I said, do what I tell you to do. Hmm. Next thing I did is I ran out. And I bought five gallon, you know, jerry jugs, filled them up with water, put them in, uh, with, with gasoline, put them in the back of my car. And then I went to the bank. I had money. I forgot. I had those days, these days, a thing called, uh, certificate CDs, you know, I used to yeah. get money, I had money from them. And I had them in a bank. It was a big bank. It was bought out, of course, later. And I tried to get the CDs transferred to my, account in Rhinebeck to take the money out and I couldn't. And because they closed down Wall Street and CDs are traded on Wall Street. So I got all the money I could out of the bank. I got my gold where I had it in another place. And in those days they had maps. I got my maps out, bought more of them around the area and had the back, I'm about four hours from Canada. And I'm ready to go to Canada if things really break loose because the planes are coming down allegedly from the Hudson River. And I, you know, I grew up around here. I know the place inside out. And there's, there's, um, the, uh, nuclear power plant in Buchanan, Indian Point, which I saw built as a kid. And if they're coming down the river, Hudson River and blow that thing up, it's going to be hell on earth. So I'm ready to get out of here. That's what I did. And going to Canada, I figured that from Canada I could go anywhere. You know, I'm going, this, you know, this is 2000, not, you know, mm-hmm. before all the lockdown crap. So if I had to go anywhere else, I could fly out of Canada. But I knew that if this, they blew up this nuclear power plant, America would be shut down. So that's survivalism to me. And oh, and I, I got enough, I packed one little, uh, a backpack. And I, this is still warm weather, but I put in, uh, silk underwear and stuff and, and hiking boots in case, you know, I had to go through the woods to get into Canada. 
So that's the way I think. I think that we're going to need that thinking and a lot more, like because we're not all going to leave. Like it's not it's it's not logistically possible at this point. And so one of the things we've really taught people is building community, building individual groups that can trust each other, not even just for defensive purposes, which is where everybody's head initially goes, but individual commerce and trade with trusted entities, you know, well, things like freedom cells and stuff. Like we need growing your own food and having other people that grow other things and being able to trade and barter, uh, to, to use any implement of barter that makes sense, to have encrypted communications between each other and things like that, Like because I think this is going to get a hell of a lot worse before it gets better. And, it's and, going to get terrible. Yeah. It's going down. If we don't change it, look who is rule. And again, people only look at America. Look at the clowns you got running the show everywhere. <laughs> look at that guy, Boris Johnson. What a disgusting looking human being. <laughs> Why is, well, how the hell could anybody with, with a pair of cojones bigger than a moth look up to this little piece of crap? And it's one afternoon. Oh, you like Gavin Arrogant Newsom? No, no, maybe I know you like arrogant little Andy Cuomo. No, no, I know. Angela Merkel, she's your kind of woman. It's all, look at that little Gatson Macron, that little nothing of a boy in France. One after another. Oh, it's a total freaking clown show. The whole thing is like, and it, it would be funny if they didn't have so much control and power over people. Like, if they were just a bunch of stooges that didn't actually impact your life, you could, you could just mock them. I mean, we do plenty of mocking, right? But, These people have incredible amounts of power, and some of these people you're mentioning in these other countries, you know, at least the president in this country wasn't able to lock the whole country down. They were able to give guidance, and governors did their own thing. Over Germany or whatever, like one person can wave a hand, and all of a sudden the whole country's locked down like a freaking prison. Yep. Now, yep. now on top, we talk about survivalism. We're talking about the Greatest Depression, et cetera. But yet you're also forecasting Roaring 2021. So Big party before the pop? Look, young to young people, this is an old person's disease. Yeah. Young people aren't dying from it. The recovery no. rate, according to the CDC, is 99.997% for people between the ages of 1 to 20. Most of the people are dying. You know, the numbers are all there. We write about it every week. Are over 70 years old, having 2. Six pre-existing chronic conditions, obesity, type 2 diabetics. Oh, and they're not obese in America. Only 42% are, and 70% are overweight. Never talk about natural healing. That's not allowed. You'll be a conspiracy theorist. So the young people, they want to go out and have a good... I could never, I could never, ever, 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 ever imagine me at being 18, 19, in my 20s and early 30s, being locked down. I could never imagine They're ready to break loose big time. And this is very important, extremely important. Art is dead. And art is the way of finding the true meaning of the human spirit, as Marie Pierre used to tell me, which I agree with 100%. The Renaissance uh, followed the Black Plague. But anyway, think of art back in the day when artists were anti-establishment because establishment are a bunch of low-life scum that suck off the public tit their whole life and can't get a job anywhere else. And they wanted to be, you know, class president in, in, in high school and college. And they're the ones running our show. And the bureaucrats who can't get a real job suck into the political system. 
So, going back to art. Mick Jagger coming out and making fun of people and not getting vaccinated. Mm. And that are anti, don't believe in the COVID war. Willie Nelson. Lady Gaga. Across the board. Across the board. Across the board. And then you look at the art. Oh, oh, digital art sold for 23 million. What are you kidding me? Art? Oh, no, no, you don't have to know how to play the instrument. We have artificial means of making it sound like that. Art is dead. Going back to the 2021s. It's time for a new art movement. And the young people are freer than the, my generation of baby boomers. They're dead, man. They're dying for real in it. Dead in their hearts. And the, the generation, you know, younger than me, eh, the millennials, only the younger ones. The younger generations are going to start the, the big movement. This is a new time for new art. Oh, oh, again, look at the Oscars, look at the Grammys, and look at the ratings. They were in the toilet because they're shitheads. And that's where it went. That's actually my hope. That's what gives me hope about this whole thing is how badly this is all working for them. Like football, basketball, et cetera, all their ratings are through the floor. I, the Oscars, I didn't even know it happened until after it happened that I saw negative coverage of it. Like you look around and it, you feel like we're surrounded by woke morons in, in society. And we are, but people vote with their attention and they vote with their money. And it, it seems like there's a growing resistance to this, both in the youth and the general population. Yeah, there's, I estimate about 30, 35, 37%, 40% of the people are against this. And that's a big number because the ones that follow have, they're gutless little slimers and you can take them out really quick. <laughs> and so, you know, as we say in the Bronx, when you call them out, they wouldn't know whether to piss or shit. So, On this Roaring 2021, that kind of leads into your next one, speakeasies. And, yep. and, and I, I think you mean in the classic term, but I also think you mean in a broader pattern recognition of people creating their own entertainment yep. venues, et cetera, and just ignoring whether or not – like you have to have a permit for that. Here, take your permit, you shove it. it up your ass. Like I know people that are making bank on – basically like renting out campsites through hip yep. camp, kind of like Airbnb, but they're turning into party venues, yep. right? Because there's no freaking state park asshole coming over going, hey, you know, your music's a little loud. Are you guys wearing masks? Like when you're out in a state park, like these pri like they're basically turning into private campgrounds, but they're not private campgrounds. And I'm seeing, I mean, basically we turn my garage, I have like a huge 1,800 square foot shop and we turn that into a bar a few times a year. You know, and I, but I think people are going to be doing it more regularly as well. Yep. Yep. There's going to be a big, big resistance against the system. I'm telling you, in my lifetime, there's never been a better time for change than now. And again, that's why I'm doing everything I can with Occupy Peace. And we have a big announcement to make coming up. It's now it's going to, it's really going to be freedom, peace and justice. But I, I can't make the announcement yet, but it's going to be a big one. And I'm, again, I'm, 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 I will not, I was not put on this earth to take orders. I don't give them. I don't take them. I follow the I, I'm a believer in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and I do not live under executive orders. They could shove that executive order up. You know what? 
<laughs> I kind of like the executive order for the few holdouts here with the mask signs in, in around us. So uh, Abbott uh, rescinded that order, right? And yeah, but I'm just saying. Hey, no, no, no. Like oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But this is kind of funny. So, like, what happened is Abbott did his thing. Then all the county judges are the ones that issued the county-level orders. And some of these stores, they've left up signs, you know, pursuant to an order by current county judge, well, whatever. And you go in that store, and they're like, hey, we have a sign-up for masks. Like, your mask is signing an executive order that doesn't exist anymore. Bye. And they just stare. Like, they don't know what to do. And you realize, like, most of these people working in these stores, they don't want to do this shit either. They're just, like, they're minimum wage slaves. And they're like, I don't want to get fired. But No, you know, no, the, there's another part to it. It's like the Soviet Union, the people that had nothing were the ones that were on the power trip, ratted you out, mm. and supported the government because they have nothing going on in their lives. So they're on a, they're on a, they're on a quick power trip over there. You also say we're going to have a youth revolution, I guess, part of the Roaring 2021 yep. and the speakeasies. What's that going to look like? Again, we're seeing it. We, we talked about it with the speakeasies, with it, disgusted with the system. There's, they have no connection to the older generation. There's a total disconnect. And again, you're seeing it with the Oscar. Oh, by the way, you mentioned about the woke you know, society. Maybe Me Too came out against Oscars. They shouldn't call it Oscar. They should have a transgender name for it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the youth revolution, we are, it's a total different world. And you, and what happens with people, they look at the youth and they look at the whole sector of it. No, man, you only take about 10% of it, 5% of it, they're the hip ones of it. And they're the ones that are going to lead it. And there are at least 15, 20% of the young people that know this is a lot of crap. I don't want to do this anymore. And then your next trend is Boca Midnight. What's that about? Oh, yeah. Well, the streets are dead. Like where I am up here in Kingston, New York, you know, outside, as I'm looking outside now, you couldn't get a parking space up here before. Now you can park anywhere you want. By by 7 o'clock at night, there's hardly any cars on the streets anymore. Boca Midnight, that's Boca Raton, Florida, right? It's all elderly people over there. Mm. And they go, what, what's that thing when, they, when you eat dinner early? Um, <laughs> Friendlies or whatever, like a buffet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a name for it, though, uh, when, you, when you, could, you get it cheaper, you know. If oh, you go okay. Early. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so, so they go to these things, you know, they eat like, you know, they have dinner at, you know, five, five o'clock, six o'clock at night. And then they're in bed by 10. That's their midnight. 10 o'clock is now midnight. So Boca Midnight is 10 o'clock. Midnight's not 12 o'clock anymore. When I was a young guy, when, when, I, when I was married, made my wife rest in peace, we used to, you know, we'd, we'd watch, we'd always cook great dinners. You know, she was Italian too. And, and then we'd watch MASH, all of the family. Then we'd take a nap. And then we get up and we watch uh, Saturday Night Live. These are days of Belushi and Gilda Radner. When know, it was freaking funny. I remember. Funny. Yeah. yeah. And and then after that, that ended at 1 o'clock, and then we'd go out. Huh. That's what it used to be. Then the drunk driving laws started hitting hard in the late 80s, early 90s, and then the roads started emptying out. The roads used to be packed. On Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights at 
9, 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock. So, Boca Midnight now is 10 o'clock. People aren't going out late. And again, now everybody's conditioned. And they just, they just shut down Nova Scotia. Could you believe it? They got like 67 deaths in Nova Scotia out of a million people over the course of a year. They just locked the place down again. Wow. Yeah, it's, it, I know they just put in some incredibly draconian shit in uh, British Columbia as well. And I mean, these are mostly rural provinces. Yeah. There's, the people like are so far apart. It's stupid. And I also don't know that it's very enforceable. Like, cause I know people, I don't oh, know no, people no, in no, Nova no, Scotia. No, 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 no. They're finding people left and right. Really? Oh yeah. No, I'm, it's, I'm writing about it. No, no. It, Because the people in British Columbia are telling me, like, they put all this shit in and nobody's doing nothing. Like, nobody's paying attention to it. Not in in Nova Scotia. Really? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. They even came out with a thing that police are telling people to report those they see breaking the law. They they just arrested this guy for the second time for not wearing a mask. Jesus. They're they're fining people $1,000 for getting too many people together each. Mm. Anyway, next. What do we got? We got Church of Freedom, Peace, and Justice. That's one of the things we're going to be talking about. And that's what we're moving forward on. And uh, we, we have to start a new movement. And it's a religion of all religions. If you believe in a religion of freedom, peace, and justice. Because if we don't unite, we're finished. You, you go back. This is, this, there's nothing new what's going on now. You know, when, when this first broke out, our cover of our January 28th Trends Journal, I was one of the first saying this whole thing was BS. It's right there in facts. And we had the headline, coronavirus, 106 dead in China. And the next line, we had 1.4 billion still alive. Yeah. What the hell are you telling me 106 people died in this place where, what, 1.5 million die every year from air pollution? That's why they're wearing those masks. Do you, so, go ahead. So what I'm saying is, then I wrote, as I saw it all happening, they started calling it the COVID war. You go back and you can Google it up. The politicians and the media called it a war. And I said, just as the people marched off to Mussolini, saluted Stalin and hailed Hitler, they're marching off to the COVID war. Going back to uniting for freedom, peace and justice... The majorities are going to follow. They always do. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. (laughs) A Yankee Doodle do or die. Do or die? What the hell's the matter with you? They're sending you overseas to fight a war that some slimy piece of scum that should rot in hell Woodrow Wilson is sending in there for? The guy that gave us the Federal Reserve, by the way, that turned the, the things over to the banksters? The masses follow. The masses follow. It's been going on throughout history. The power hungry know how to get them. So we have to unite. If we don't, we lose. You cannot win it on your own. And it does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority, keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men, Said Samuel Adams. So on that, I, I get a feeling that you're, you're, this is a project of yours and you're only going to say so much about it. But one of the things I've been thinking 
about a lot over the years, and especially since all this shit started, is the protections around a religion. And it comes from a weird, weird freaking place. My wife got really into this documentary by Leah Remini about the Church of Scientology, which is a complete nut job cult. But the shit those people get away with because they're officially recognized as a religion, I, I always look at something that works for people I don't like and say, can it work for people I do like? Do you think there's maybe some way to actually formalize this to where you can stand under the constitutional protections of a faith? And, and like you said, because that's my thought too, open it to everybody. You don't have to, like if you're Catholic, you don't have to stop being Catholic to be part of this. But create something where there's like the common ethos of basic ethics. That's the, that's the rallying point. And then say, this is a faith like any other faith, and therefore it has to be recognized. You got it. Okay. That makes me happy. <laughs> that's one of those things I'd love to see happen and I don't have time to do. So that's that's something I'll definitely support depending on how that works out. Um, you also have China 2021, the Chinese century. I've been talking about the rise of China since 2008. I've been told I'm stupid. I don't know what I'm talking about. What say you? Oh, God. The, the Chinese... I've been, you know, we just put it in here, of course, like like you, I've been saying it for you know years. The 20th century was the American century. The 21st century is the Chinese century. The business of America has been war. The business of China is business. And it, it look, look, they, they just passed another huge defense budget as the whole economy is going down. Eisenhower warned us, five-star general, supreme commander of the Allied forces during World War II, two-term president. And his farewell address on January 17th, 1961, three days before he's leaving office, he warns the American people that the military-industrial complex is robbing the nation of the genius of the scientists, whoever labors, and the future of the children. And here we are. So the, ton, oh, the countless trillions wasted on the military, and China is, you know, You know, I just joke like they're talking about the Biden infrastructure plan. What infrastructure? Infrastructure in this country is crap. You, go, where did, you know what China did with during the COVID war? They didn't put dump money into the system. They dumped it into the infrastructure. You know, what do we got? The fastest trains in America go like, what, about 60 miles an hour on average? And these things are going 300 miles an hour? Or, you know, 800, 190 miles an hour? No, we're far, far behind. China with the, with their Belt and Road Initiative going all over the world, buying up ports. Uh, China's 1.4 billion people. Their dual circulation policy. Before they came into the, um, that means that they're not only relying on exports, they're building in the internal economy. And hey, we do 1.4 billion people do business with each other. We'll do all right, you know. So the, when when um, you look at where they're going, what they're doing, and how they're doing it. America's going down big time. I talked about art before. Yeah. China, we, this is in our this week's Trends Journal. They're not buying, they, Hollywood films are going bust in China. China's starting their own Hollywood. They, they, they're, they're, they're totally in charge. And there's no way the American military is ever going to defeat the Chinese. They couldn't win in Afghanistan, couldn't win in Iraq. You lost the Vietnam War. How about the Korean War? You're not going to beat the Chinese. You're not going to beat the Russians. You're not going to beat, you know, it ain't going to happen, man. Take it easy. 
So the Chinese, look what they've done with Hong Kong. You know, after the, 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 the flu broke out, the virus broke out in one province, they closed it down. Then they closed down Hong Kong, stopped the protests, stopped the riots, totally in control. So China's, Biden yesterday, you know, he's talking about, oh, we're going we're gonna to be number one. China's not going to, get, get that out of here. You, you, the only way it's going to change is if the spirit of America changes. And I don't see that happening as long as it's being run by the murderers and thieves that are running the show now. Yeah, and I, I just did a little bit of some, some work yesterday and, and put out some stuff on China. And I said all this talk about China invading or whatever, I, I think the West sells out so cheap they're just going to buy everything. Like they'll, they'll saber rattle or what have you. But I think mostly they'll get what they get because they'll buy out the Western society that sells out like instantly. Well, again, you know, it, it's they, you know, of course it was we they sold us out. I talked about China yeah. building its its um, its uh, own you know GDP through retail and everything else. When you China's five percent of the Chinese were considered middle class in 1997. Hmm. Now it's over 35%. You look at China's GDP rate before they were brought into the World Trade Organization. It was a flat line. And then all of a sudden, 2001, it's a straight line up. They sold out. The, well, they, they sold out. The politicians sold us out. Clinton sold us out with NAFTA. Then when China, we only lost 3.5 million jobs at the low end to China. About a, eh, almost a million out of to Mexico, manufacturing jobs. Look what's going on now with the COVID war, all the products, all the stuff coming in from, whether it's, you know, name it, it's coming in from China, India, you know, so uh, they sold us out. Simple as that. The manufacturers went there. The deal was you go to China, you, you got to make the product there. You only could be a 49% owner of the, of the uh, business and we want all your technology, high tech and industrial. They couldn't do it before, and now they have everything. They don't need the Americans anymore. And you saw that happen with the meeting in, in Alaska with Blinken, the, our U.S. Shit, shit. You know, you, 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 you and I, were, I used, you used the word shit. I said, you know, they wouldn't know whether to piss of shit. People, oh, that's, that's, that's profanity. You no, know, it's not profanity. Calling some piece of shit a secretary of state, a dignita <laughs> dignitary, to me, is the F word. Screw you, dignitary. Who the hell do you think you are? So anyway, going back to it, these aren't curse words. They sold us out. These are, these are disgusting human beings that are destroyed our lives. The manufacturers gave them it. Everybody gave them it so they could get their stuff made cheaply, bring it back and make more money. The Europeans and the Americans, the 21st century is the Chinese century. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the last thing you have on your outline, new world, not order, but new world disorder 2.0. Yeah. Again, we wrote that, you know, the, these trends came out in December of 2020. And uh, look at the disorder in front of us. Hmm. And as I mentioned, people have no idea what's going on in Lebanon, how it's heating up between Israel and and. Uh, Iran. And now, you know, the human rights organizations, one after another, it's going to be in next week's Trends Journal. Again, this isn't a conspiracy theory or anti-Semitic 
It's in yesterday's Wall Street Journal about the apartheid. They're accusing Israel of apartheid against the Palestinians. And then you look at what's going on as the economies are collapsing throughout Africa and Latin America. You want to see disorder? You think you have immigration problems now? You haven't seen anything. Civil wars. People are fighting for against poverty, corruption, violence, crime. Before that was the COVID war broke out. It was going on in 2019. All over. And now it's going to start heating up big time. When people lose everything and have nothing left to lose, they lose it. I completely agree. How do you feel that things like the Great Reset play into all this? They do. It's, it is the Great Reset. Mm. It's reset. They, again, they salt. <laughs> People have to understand that you buy out politicians very cheaply. And morons and imbeciles call it campaign, campaign contributions, by the way. Mm -hmm. the, the, the reason you buy them out so cheaply is they've never worked a day in their lives. They've been sucking off the public tit. All you have to do is look at them. Biden's been doing it since 30 years old. So you could buy him out. I mentioned that guy Blinken. When they had a, you know, when they would, you know, the, the, the clown show of him going before Congress, you know, to see if he'd be eligible to become Secretary of State, they asked him about the $22 million that Biden got from Chinese organizations. And he never answered it. And it went to these, you know, the best of my knowledge, it was like a, one of these things that they set up at the University of Pennsylvania, you know, the Biden School or something. Okay, $22 million, that sounds like a lot of money, right? Not when, you, not when they made trillions of dollars off by you letting them come into the World Trade Organization and all the other dirty deals you did. This is like throwing, you know, giving a homeless person, you know, a dollar. Do you do you think these people are going to win this fight? I mean, it seems in some ways that they yeah, have they have everything they right. They own the media. They, they own, own the media. Even what they they make out to be like alter, you know, like like the alternative, like Fox News. They own Fox News. That's the it's the uh, well, Fox it, News isn't. That's not alternative. No, it, it's 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 all the same shit. They just put a different spin, but it's all the same message. Comply, do what you're told. I hear these people on, on Fox telling me every day to go get vaccinated. I'm like, shut the vaccine up your ass. I'm not taking this experimental gene therapy. So they got the media. They got the politicians. Do you think we can beat them? Absolutely. <laughs> of course you can. I mean, look at them. As I said, you call them out man to man, woman to woman. And they'll back down. They're only tough because they got their little goons around them. And I don't mean in a violent way, by the way. I mean in a very professional, strong way. You beat them at their game. They can't, I'm, I'm telling you, you asked me how I got started in this. I, I worked on the political camp. Yonkers, New York. All right. This is a city of 300,000 people back then. And now it's probably much more because it's. People moving out of the city up there. It's, it's right, it's right north of New York City. You know, we moved from the Bronx to Yonkers. It sounds like moving to the country, you know. But anyway, the uh, I know what it looks like inside. I was the assistant to the secretary of the New York State Senate. I could tell you stories about friends. Yeah, you know, 
they're, they're nobodies. They're nobodies. They're nobodies. They're ballless little boys. <laughs> all right? The, 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 the dangerous thing is they're ballless little boys that have a lot of force by proxy under their thumbs. So Nope, 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 nope. nope. They're only because the people give it to them. I agree with they that. Have no, they have no force. The police won't. You know, they, they don't want to. You, know, you, you got to only the. They're not going to go with this stuff. They don't want to go with this stuff in a lot of ways. They're you know, doing they it, though. Follow, but they're yeah, doing they it. Follow, but I'm saying you could change it. Okay. I told you the rally I had here. The cops are cool up here. This, this is the 4th of July last year when nobody was doing this. Nobody. No, I agree. There's places like that. There's pockets, and I guess that's I've been advising people to get into those pockets. Oh no, no, the hatred that I got for this, the threats that I got. Yeah, you have no idea. Oh, I do. Oh, trust me, I know. I no, 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 no. This is big. <laughs> okay. No, no. I know you. I know you know, but I'm telling you from my experience. Yeah, yeah. I had best friends coming to me. We only almost ended our friendship, telling me not to have this thing. Yeah. That's the pressure that was going on. Everybody, oh yeah. And it was totally peaceful, totally beautiful. And the same one's going to happen on the 29th. Live music, food, you know, speakers, and uh, a great time. Freedom, peace, and justice. Now, you know, people, could it happen? Could you get yourself in good shape? Is it going to take work? If you're in bad shape, Does it take work to get into good shape? Absolutely. Absolutely. It takes work. Yeah. I do think that there are places, though, that make sense to make your stand. Strategic relocation is something we discussed with our guests yesterday. Like, it's much easier for me to fight back here than it would be if I was living in freaking New York City. Inside oh, the I know. Five Tell bars. me about yeah, it. I'm you in got, New York. Yeah. You, yeah. But I'm not going to leave here. You know, I, I own three of the most historic buildings in America. On the fourth, you know that, don't you? Do you know that? I had no idea, no. Yeah, look up, Google up Kingston, New York, historic four corners. I bought the, I launched Occupy Peace. I bought these all in 2012. Whole nother story, and I got to run soon. The, um, uh, I came back from Berlin, and I couldn't believe how they destroyed it from World War II, and I was looking to leave the country. And I came back, and there's, If you, it's the 1750s Franz Rogan house. That was the first one I bought. Then I bought the 1774 Academy. It's the only place in America with pre-revolutionary war stone buildings on each corner. And then the Dr. Jensen house, 1763. I'm looking right out my window over here is the courthouse, the Ulster County Courthouse. John Jay, that John Jay was a judge over here. Kingston was the first capital of New York State. Over 70% of America's Constitution comes from the Constitution that was written for New York State. The seeds of democracy were sown here. This is the third Dutch settlement. I bought these buildings. I'm not a real estate guy. I bought them because I'm an American. I realized I can't run away. There are two-bit freaks everywhere. This is my country. Love it or leave it? No, you leave it. <laughs> And that's why I'm launching. That's why I launched Occupy Peace. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I don't want to leave here. I, 
you, you, the beauty surrounding me. I'm, I'm on the foothills of the Catskill Mountains. In 20 minutes, you don't know where you are with the beauty around you. The Hudson River. I'm not going to go anywhere because I got some little police, a little crap telling me what to do. <laughs> Come over here, man to man, and tell me what to do. We'll discuss this. Yeah, so I know. I know right where you are. I have very good friends that I used to visit often in Poughkeepsie. You're just north of there. Yeah, but Poughkeepsie's nothing. I mean, it's yeah. just north. Yeah, it's the other side of the river. Yeah. This is, this is again. This is the first capital of New York State. Hmm. It, 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 it's. Sojourner Truth, the black woman, you know the story about her that she was, she, right over here, she bought her freedom, uh, from the slave owners in the 1850s. And she, the deal was she'd work extra, 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 and he'd give, let her go free. She worked extra, 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 and let her go free, and the slave owner took her son and sends her down to her daughter who was down in Alabama with another slave owner. She walks into the Kingston courthouse over there, took, which you can't walk into now, now you gotta go through metal detectors mm-hmm. to get felt up. She walked in there, and they took the case, and it became a famous case. She won it. Sojourner Truth. That's Kingston. That's freedom. And that's what I fight for. So I'm not running away. So what can people do? I know you're short on time at this point. We had some scheduling conflicts, so I'm glad that we were able to work through that, and thank you for doing it. Um, How can people learn more about you, get your information, support your efforts, and things like that? Well, first, you know, go to OccupyPeace.com and, and look at the rally and make a donation. You can't win this on your own. You know, Ron, yeah, Ron, I was going to get Ron Paul to go. You know, I spoke at his conference two years ago, three years ago. And I, was gonna, I was supposed to be the speaker at the last one, uh, the Peace and Prosperity Conference last year, but they didn't have it. So I'm friends with him. And uh, I, I wanted him to come here as a speaker, but he doesn't want to fly. Mm. And I don't blame him. But yeah. if I was one of the rich guys, well, send a private plane down there and pick him up and bring him over here. We need money. We need money. You can't do it without money and, 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 and uniting. And what are you going to send? $20, $10? Send what you can send. Go to Occupy Peace unless you want to keep living in hell. And then the other one, of course, is a trends journal. There's no magazine like it in the world. <laughs> Nothing comes close to it. Yeah, your Time Magazine, it's like, what? I bought an issue last week, $8 for a piece of crap. I want to see what's in it. Last week's news next week. And we're tomorrow's news today and history before it happens. So if you want to know what's going on in the world and you're a survivalist, you want it to trends journals so you could help you see the future so you could plan for it better. So it's trendsjournal.com. It's $2 an issue. It's a weekly issue. There's nothing comes close to it. And I'm not saying that, you know, bragging, just show me something that does and then we can start talking. Nothing comes close to it. I'll make sure that links to both of those are in the show notes today, and I really appreciate you being with us today. Um, that, that's what I've got for you. Do you have any final words that you want? I always try to give a guest as much space and much opportunity I'm to not, be heard. Uh, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, and what you're doing is great. But again, what I would suggest to everybody thinking about survival, don't think of doing it on your own. No. And, 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 and survivalism, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fighter. You know, I used to, I had my own school. I used to teach close combat for many years. You know, you only, you only use it when you, you needed it and you don't want to use it at all. Cause you don't want to get in the fight because when you get in the fight, you know, it's not like you're going to put them down and, you know, you're going to get up and walk away. When you get in the fight, it's going to, you know, this is the end. It's, you know, and you don't want to go there. So you try to avoid the fight. 
So you try to avoid survivalism. You have it there in case you need it. Just like you're in close combat, it's there. You're not going to take it away from it. You have your survivalism. But you only want that when you have to have it, and you don't want to have to have it. But you got it. So that's what I would suggest. Have it, but don't think of that as your way out. Think of that as your last option. And But you don't want to go there. You want to live in freedom, peace, and justice. You want to have liberty, life, joy, and beauty. You want to have fun and laugh and dance and sing and hug and kiss. All right. Well, Gerald, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Thank you for that. And uh, wish you the best, and we'll make sure we uh, send as many people as we can your way. Thank you so much, and thank you for all that you're doing. What, what did I say that was when I, what I, I said before I brought him on? What kind of interview it was? Rantastic. I think it was rantastic. I, I don't know if I've invented a new word or not. I've never heard or used that word before, but it's it's such a simple word to come up with. It it must have been used somewhere by somebody someplace before. The rantastic Gerald Salente. Maybe I've created a new nickname for nickname for him, Mister. Rantastic. Like, remember Mr. Fantastic? He's Mr. Rantastic. Anyway, um, you really should check out Occupy Peace and the Trends Journal. I have links to both of them in the show notes. Uh, this is a guy that's been doing a lot of good work for a long time. I get the feeling we wouldn't agree about everything, but we would agree about most things. And in our world today, that's something. That's something big. Anyway, with that, before we go ahead and uh, wrap up, let's go ahead and remind you guys there are ways you can help support me and the work that I do. One way is to become a member of my MSB. Now, if you do that, you're going to get a bunch of discounts on stuff you're probably going to buy this year anyway, and your membership's going to pay for itself. Most recently, I just announced that we have brought Dr. Earth Fertilizers on uh, as an MSB supporter. And I just saw somebody post on social media that that alone that paid for their MSB uh, this year because they have a rather large growing operation. They use a lot of fertilizer. And like me, they've determined that Dr. Earth is just the best organic fertilizer on the planet, period. And you get 10% off on it. So I don't know if everybody's going to save enough money to pay for a $50 membership, but at least one person did. You know, in five bucks here, ten bucks there, twenty bucks here, fifteen bucks there, sooner or later that shit adds up and it pays for itself to be an MSB member. You can learn more by going to the survivalpodcast.com and clicking on members. And I'm just going to point out, unlike a lot of people in this business, I don't ask, I don't ask for donations. I don't ask you to support me in, you know, the concept of some altruistic manner. I built this program from the beginning so that it would make sense. From a financial analysis standpoint, I really did. I, I was not, I'll tell you the truth, guys. Back in the very beginning, I had people send me money because they knew my email address and figured, hey, he's got PayPal. And they just sent money to me and said, I really appreciate what you I sent it back. I'm not PBS. I'm not collecting 100 bucks from somebody in a donation and send them a $2 freaking uh, coffee mug. We provide value for value here. Another way you can support us, and this is real simple. Probably today, tomorrow, next week, or next month, you're going to buy something online. It's just going to happen. Well, when you're going to buy something online, just go to tspaz.com first. T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com first. Start your online shopping there. If you start there, you help us out no matter what you buy. And I've got an item of the day for you that I talked about before, and I'm really excited about this. I talked about Outdoor Edge quite a bit, going back to the Outdoor Blaze uh, knife from a long time ago. And then recently I discovered the, uh, 
the 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 razor bone and the razor fin. These are two knives that are marketed toward fishing and hunting. Um, they have a long blade, a five inch blade on them. It's flexible. It can be used like a fillet knife or a boning knife. That's why they call one the bone and one the fin. But they're really the same knife. They're just different colors. But those knives are really absolutely marketed to a very specific demographic. Again, hunting and fishing, outdoors, etc. When I was doing that research, I came across something called the Outdoor Edge 3.5-inch Razor Light EDC knife. And I thought, you know, I'll put that on my future review, and I mentioned it when I did that review. So I got my Razor Bone, and I realized that basically the, the, the Razor Light and the Razor Bone are the same knife. One's just a lot smaller than the other and uses the 3.5-inch blades. And I liked the bone so much, I went ahead right away and ordered the Razor Light. I'm going to do something today that I've never done before. I'm going to retire a recommendation from an older product. I've been recommending the Gerber EAB, the regular EAB, Exchange of Blade product, and the EAB Lite forever, at least since 2012. That was the oldest mention I could find of it on the site, and I know I've talked about it before then. Before I did T-SPAS, before I did reviews as an EDC product, that's how long I've been recommending that little knife by Gerber that uses a standard razor blade. I've always loved it. It's always had its limitations. There's times when you're using it and you're like, I've got to be careful with here. I'm going to slip and cut myself. You don't have a full-size handle and you don't have a full-size blade and you got a razor. Right? That, that, you know, there's, I've always said be careful with it. When I got this knife in my hand with this swappable blade so that when it finally is done, you just replace it and you got another scalpel blade in there. The blades are about a buck a piece. When they start to get dull, you can hit them with a sharpening steel, and they're back to razor sharp like really quick. It's just the steel that they're making is an inexpensive, rather soft steel. It's not anything anybody would make a you know a knife out of if it was a knife you're going to use long term. It is a a a very good steel for what it's used for, but it is not you know it is not XHP steel or something like that, right? It is a, a relatively soft steel that's easy to get shaving sharp. So you can get, you know, eight, ten uses using a sharpening steel if you, if you want to, or you can just swap them whenever you need to. But you always have basically a scalpel in your pocket, but now you're talking about a, a good classic folder design with a three and a half inch blade. This is now my EDC knife to have a utility knife. I'm a big believer that you have an EDC knife that's a good quality knife. Now maybe not everybody's carrying a $500 custom from Patrick Royman like I do. But you've got something that's a higher-end working knife that you rely on, that you'll trust your life to. And then you have a utility knife for all of the random shit that you do with a knife that you don't want to use a $500 knife or even a $100 knife for. Cutting up boxes, cutting tape off of things, opening packaging that's got gross stuff on it, etc. That's what I used the EAB for all those years. I will, I, I'm not going to throw them away. I'm not going to say don't buy one. These do cost a little bit more. But I'm going to tell you that I think if you get one of these, you'll retire your EAB too. So I'm retiring that as my, that was my number one recommendation as an EDC utility knife. I now have actually updated that old review saying, please look at this first. So you know I actually really am pretty excited about this little knife. I'm actually in the future going to reach out to Outdoor Edge after I get out of, uh, I get back from my vacation, see if I can do anything with them. I don't know if we'll be able to. They're a pretty big brand, but uh, I am impressed with them. Uh, the way I'd ended my review on this knife, the blaze, the fin, the bone, these are knives that are targeting specific people, 
the EDC Lite, that knife, that's the knife for everybody. I don't know that it is the best knife for everybody, but I think it's the best knife for the most people for an EDC knife. It is pretty freaking outstanding for 30 bucks. All right, with that, let's wrap things up with our song of the day. It is Bob Seeger Week, and like I said, we wanted to bring you some music this time uh, from Mr. Seeger that maybe you hadn't heard as much. So we don't have Like a Rock. We got other stuff here. We got a very chill song today called Coming Home. And this song, it seems to be a big song for a lot of people. It, for a lot of people, they take it as a song for people once they've passed away. And those people are brought back home to be laid to rest or have their ashes scattered at home. And I can understand that listening to this song. But if you actually listen to the words, that's... That's not what the storyline in the song is. And like I said, it's always okay for people to interpret music any way they want. That's that's real art. Like uh, Gerald said, art is dead. I don't agree, but I know where he's coming from with it. This is this this song is art. This is true art. And and coming home means different things to different people. The storyline here, the character built in the story is someone that went off. It sounds a lot like maybe a musician or a rock star. Huh. Bob has a few songs like that, and kind of lost it all. It just didn't work out. So he's, in some ways, running home. He's running home, going back home, because that's what he's got left. But he knows that's not what people want to hear, so he's going to tell the people back home what they want to hear versus what really is, that he did great, he just just felt like coming home. And I think we, we when people go home, they do it for a variety of different reasons. And the very beginning of this, he talks about a trailways bus coming around the corner. And I think that's to set the stage that obviously if you're going home in a bus, you don't have a lot or you'd be driving. <laughs> But I remember going home on a bus a long, long time ago when I got out of the Army. And I told you guys a story yesterday a little bit about why I went on the trail, or at least sometime this week I did. And uh, I think it was Tuesday that I did that. But I already knew before that even happened that I needed time. Like I had just, I had just out-processed. I had just taken an ID card that I'd carried around for years that identified me and my rank and my position. That card, when you're in the military, your ID, like you do not lose your ID. You get in trouble if you lose your ID. It's not like you lose your driver's license, you go down to DMV, get a new one. You get written up if you lose your ID. It's like you don't misplace your ID the way you don't misplace your weapon. And I remember when I out-processed and I handed my card to this girl behind this little counter when she was doing all my paperwork, and she took that damn ID and she folded it in half and she punched four holes in it, so eight holes in it, so it wasn't valid anymore, and threw it in the trash. And I felt like a piece of myself was just taken away. And when I got all my paperwork and all, they said basically you can fly home. And I was in South Carolina, so I could have flew into like Philadelphia or maybe even Allentown and been home really, really fast. And I, and they said, the other thing they said though is what you can do is just, we'll do mileage and figure that out. We'll give you a certain amount of money to get home. So I called the bus station, found out what would it cost to take a bus all the way to my hometown of Pottsville, Pennsylvania. And it was like 50 bucks less than the money they would give me. So I decided to do that. So I stayed in the, you know, out processing barracks one more night. And they were willing to let you do that. You say one more night. And I left in the morning in a cab, went down to the bus station, took that bus home. And when I heard the first opening lines of this song, I remembered that. And as I've said, 
I think we find certain things out when we go home. Sometimes when we go home, it really is what we're looking for. It's just different. And sometimes when we go home, we realize maybe that place, just because we grew up there, was never really home in the first place. And we need to go out and find a real place to call home. When I came here to Texas, I fought it pretty hard at first. I love being here now. I'm proud to be here now. But when I first got here, it was, in my mind, a temporary situation. I was visiting a friend, and I was going to go somewhere else. And now this is home. And for those of us who miss other places, I think sometimes real happiness is realizing, figuring out how you can come home every day. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast.